The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. If you only knew the power of the podcast, Rodney Thompson never told you what happened to your players. Told me enough. He told me you killed them. No. I made the Dark Times podcast. No. That's not true. That's impossible! Search your feed, you know it to be true. No! No! Welcome back to The Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Steven, your favorite aspiring Jedi Knight. And I'm Sam, your favorite Cloud City Shaft Inspector. What's this hand doing here? (laughs) That one never gets old. 50 years, that shit never gets old. Or 40. 40 years. (laughs) Steven, we have some feedback this week. Yes, yes we do. We got, like we said last week, a lot of mail still to get through. So if you don't hear yours, don't worry. We're coming down the list here. We're still on messages from like mid-November. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But don't let that discourage you from sending shit in. Please, we love to see it. Get get right in. Uh, This one's from Ezekiel with two questions. If y'all did 16, this is in reference to build showcases. If y'all did 16, you could do your own style of March Madness, but have Star Wars September for next year in September. Uh, Ezekiel, I think I think that's a pretty good guesstimate as about when that would happen. We, <laughs> yeah. Sam and I sat down to the math. Uh, build showcases are like a five, six week cycle. Yeah, without overbearing yeah, the with audience like, with, with them. like decent resting in between. And uh, yeah, so, you know, keep, keep looking forward to that. We we're definitely going to do a bracket build showcase thing. We've only done half a dozen. It's crazy to so think that far. we've only done six. It feels like we've done like 20, but we have done <laughs> six by, by our count. If we're missing anything, let us know. But we will. Um, It's probably we talked about this last week, I think, but we're not yeah. going to do another one until the next year. Just yeah, to- we're going to start up. Jan- we're come back strong in January with a nice build showcase. We got the topic picked out and everything. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, look out for that. But yeah, that'll be a post holiday adventure. Also, question. You may have answered in an episode or two, but how did y'all direct a campaign without forcing your party from one place to another? I want it to feel natural, not forced. This is like the GMing question. Yeah. Uh, one we've addressed probably from a couple different angles and a couple different versions and ways. The one that I thought of when I read this email is was actually came from Lil Literalist. Pickpockets. Oh, that's always great. Just have them steal something from the party. Don't make them roll for it or anything weird like that. Just yeah. have a guy come up, take something the party needs, and have him run towards the direction that you want him to go. We did that. We did that. I heard that suggestion from Little Literalist, and then I tried it at the table, and by great. God, it worked great. <laughs> it worked incredibly. <laughs> I split the party without even meaning to, and uh, yeah, it was fun. It was it was a good time. That was central to our adventure on uh, Point Nadir, which is a, a very so nice scum and villainy setting. Still. It's, but it was like so long ago. Right? <laughs> Isn't that, it was like literally three months ago, I think, and it still feels like it was last week. My example I thought of when I read this was... Um, for your character Dav in our Black Sun campaign. Oh yeah. Da- Dav's 
parents were being accosted by the white worms. And so he had to get called back to Corellia. And he was like, guys, listen, I'd love to be a pirate king right now, but we got to go save my parents on Corellia. And so I had a whole encounter planned out and stuff like that. A good was, encounter, too. It was, was a very fun encounter. You really brought out the encounter design checklist for that one. because it was, it was a tough one. I, my favorite part about that, we've talked about this before, probably was I for Dav's father i just used a picture of ewan mcgregor like with like a full beard and everything and i was like that's what his dad looks like (laughs) (laughs) and it didn't even like pull immersion or anything like it was just funny (laughs) and uh yeah we could probably do a whole episode on like how to tug your party around in more natural feeling ways not force to give your party a nice tug are we leaving that in yeah it's going in okay good (laughs) (laughs) um i feel like that's every episode of the show though sometimes you know Maybe <laughs> how to be, how to GM, how GM now, <laughs> <laughs> GM now, GM later. But yes, uh, I encourage others to write in with their responses or in the, in the Reddit thread below, or even on discord to let us know, let everyone know what your favorite ways are to guide the party around. There's also discussion of MacGuffins. Yeah. Good video games are good at this thing. Look at, look at Knights of the Republic. Look at how they get the main character to, to go around on, on a little adventure. Absolutely. Got planet hopping around. So yeah, that th- those are those are our thoughts on that. Try to be less railroady and a little more breadcrumb leady. I guess would be the <laughs> off the <Sourdough>. floor. <laughs> <laughs> that was a snack for those kids, right? That was weird that they were just eating breadcrumbs. <laughs> what, like in the fable? <laughs> like in the fable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little literalist also sent in some feedback. It goes as such. There really isn't any method for increasing your reach without having access to droid appendages. Being large-sized alone doesn't give you reach. Some people may disagree on this, but there's just no reason why PC species would admit that benefit from the list of benefits of a large species. The Aminen are famously the only species to have reach, and they have it as a medium creature. This is relevant to our conversation last week about the Siyuki dervishes who use uh, the whirlwind attack, but the only requisite being it has to be unarmed. Yes. This was a... Enlightening note from the literalist. Eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of just had the assumption, like seemingly almost everyone, that large creatures, large player characters have reach. That doesn't seem to be the case. No. At all. And I just assumed it was. I was like, oh, they're large. They have reach. That's that's that. But that that does not appear to be the case, which is was interesting to me, especially when the Amanin are explicitly listed having reach. They're weird little guys. Weird little guys. They really are. Yeah. So. I, I even pulled up like Herlick, one of the few official playable large species and no reach. Nothing. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for pointing that out, Lilich List, along with all of your other helpful feedback. Much appreciated. Thank you also to Ezekiel for writing in. Always love hearing from you. A good segue into our topic, going from an unarmed a combatant to a fully armed, Herbie fully loaded combatant. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> And uh, actually, I wanted to find a large species that was a good fit for our topic today, but there wasn't really one. But there's still plenty of other stuff that we can cover. Uh, We're taking another dive into heavy weapons. I think we've done this before, probably a long time ago. I think when we talked about uh, when we talked about my build dev, a heavy weapons expert. We went into heavy weapons stuff a little bit. Weapons in general. And then we also did weapon upgrades. Yeah. But this is this is good. I like this. Yeah, this is more specific. And I actually have selected some kind of off the beaten path heavy weapons for us to take a look at today. Obviously, everyone knows about the blaster cannon, big old auto fire mess, which is great. That's kind of the usual go to for your heavy weapons guy. And let's say you want to be heavy weapons guy, but want something a little different. Well, this is the episode for you. Our first 
featurette here is the Plex 2M Portable Missile Launcher from the Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, a personal favorite of mine. Ask me why, Sam. Didn't we have a party member who wielded these dual wielded missile launchers and he was a uh, Tigran, Togrin? What are they called? T- Tigran? Tigran, I think. Tigran? Yeah, like a big, big, big tiger guy. Just big tiger yeah. dude. Homer species, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> yes. But that that was that was not the character I was talking about, though we should go into more detail on him in a in a sec here. That was that was these were not the rocket launchers he was dual wielding. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, different ones entirely. But good good guess. The Flex 2M is a personal favorite because it made its first appearance that I know of, probably at least first like visual appearance, in Star Wars Empire at War. Okay. That good old RTS from, I believe, 2006 or so. You're going to just say shit without even knowing it. Well, you can you look know, it up really I'm quick. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> 2006, get fucked. Well, you did it, Steven. Made its first visual appearance in Empire at War, that good old 2006 RTS. Back in that day, it was mostly just kind of like a toy box for me. I just loved spawning shit in and watching them fight. <laughs> I, I'm not a big RTS guy, but I do love Star Wars. Plex Troopers were a, a rebel unit that had rocket launchers that, that operated these bad boys. Uh, from the Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, it says here, The shoulder-mounted Plex 2M is derived from Mersan's Clone Wars era Plex 1 portable missile launcher. Designed to punch holes through heavy armor, the Plex 2M is also a particularly effective anti-personnel weapon. Particularly effective anti-personnel weapon. Sam, it is a 48-kilogram rocket launcher with a three-square burst radius. Why does it weigh so much? It weighs so much. It's so Because big. it's fucking badass. <laughs> and also, fun note about it, it does weigh 48 kilograms, which is more than most characters can carry, yeah. period. I yeah. mean, like, you know, unless they strip down to their, their long johns and, and have a decent strength. But no, it actually has a built-in micro-repulsor lift that helps hold it aloft while mounted on your body. Oh. And it, as long as it's your drawn weapon, it does not count against your encumbrance. That's insane. I was thinking like a handle, like, like, <laughs> like an over-the-shoulder messenger bag handle, like that would be enough. But no, I like the idea of two repulsor lifts keeping it in place on your shoulder. And if you look up the art for this thing, it's ridiculous. It's a big, fat rocket launcher <laughs> with this like whole body harness that you have to wear with it. It's so cool. It's just ridiculously large. Let's not... You know, forget that I said three square burst radius. Do you understand how big that is? Yeah, that's huge. Let's, how many areas? How many squares is that? Because the center is three squares. And then yeah. it goes out by like one more by two more or something like. Let's see here. That's a 24 square area. That's 24 squares. I saw a critic online say that this weapon was impractical because of its large Burst size, just not party friendly, not friendly fire friendly at all. <laughs> I say to that, make your fucking maps bigger. <laughs> I featured this weapon. <laughs> Mass combat that shit. Come on. In an encounter where I desperately wanted my party to go ham destroying the city corridor infested with stormtroopers and ATSTs, I handed them the Plex 2M. I waved the heavy weapon. <laughs> proficiency requirement and i said please my children go crazy and go crazy they did y'all held off ATATs while trying to get your shuttle I taped back that, together yeah. with one of these 
It's incredible. The canonically smallest party member was the one who wielded this, despite <laughs> it being about their size. It's <laughs> fucking incredible. A couple other quirks worth going over here with the Plex 2M. The Plex 2M can be fired in direct mode or it can be fired in heat seeking mode or gravity activated mode, providing a minus two penalty to the reflex defense of all targets of a particular type, artillery, character, droid or vehicle. Hey, Sam, the fuck does that mean? What is gravity activated mode? Mean? What is gravity? There's always gravity unless it, it means it's drawn to like repulsor lifts vehicles those don't exploit maybe, gravity though it's like a it's like an energy maybe field. it's like if you're firing it in space <sighs> and it hits something with a gravitational pull it'll explode but like everything has a like small, a like a, a, a like a moon bigger maybe? than a person's yeah, yeah like a mo- strange well, hopefully you aren't shooting a moon with this i mean that's no moon that's no moon so it's dust now <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not clear to me what these modes are and how a player might activate them or use them. But maybe if they are firing on these particular types of targets, which really encompass almost everything you could fire at, that's artillery character, droid or vehicle. Maybe then the target gets a minus two. Maybe it's always a minus two. And that's is the gravity activated mean it, it like it, it, that's what's giving them the minus two. Yeah. That, that because it's, I, I, I do not know. I, I hopefully someone can clarify. It's large. It costs you 2,250 credits. Pretty good deal, honestly. But of course, that's before black market modifiers. Yeah, but if you're buying military, you're buying in bulk. So 10 pack for 22 grand. Like, come on. Easy money. It's 86 damage. Like Sam said, military availability. Missiles come in packs of six, eight kilograms. Uh, They weigh eight kilograms. It's 350 credits. You think they're like shrink wrapped, like six packs of soda? I think they are. (laughs) I think they are. Uh, (laughs) Tsuyoshi Kensu pointed out on his equipment handbook guide that these are actually the most economic uh, missile packs in the game. Because so. <laughs> you got them in six packs? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're in packs of six, and I think they're they're among the cheapest per unit. That's great. Which is very funny to me. But yeah, that's the that's the Plex 2M. We have, we have great memories with this one, with, uh, with the party member, Tulliman, uh, holding off ATATs with it while the party got a shuttle flight ready. <laughs> very, very fun. Please throw these to your player. This is a good... I kind of took a note from video games and decided that like encounter specific weapons are cool. Yeah. It's a good fit in our military campaign because we have equipment requisition and sit down and decide what you gave us a tank that encounter too. also gave you a great. T4B heavy tank that encounter. And that was that's oh, like, um, so proud. Did I fall in order when you use the you pilot the ATAT? Yes, it, which is great. Precisely. That's the, exactly what I wanted to evoke uh, with that encounter is just those little special video game segments and Plex 2M is perfect for it because Three square burst radius is only going to be useful in specific circumstances. Let's be real. Next up is the HH-15 projectile launcher. This is from a web enhancement, specifically a miniatures preview. Funny enough. From the web. The Golan Arms HH-15 projectile launcher is commonly used by rebel vanguards. Though old and somewhat outdated, it is still dependable and potent enough to crack through enemy fortifications. The shoulder-fired rocket launcher can launch various payloads, most often an armor-piercing shell, and its rugged design is capable of operating in extreme climates and conditions. Perfect for rebels. It can acquire a target lock if the operator aims before making an attack. It's a one-square splash radius. Remember, splash weapons also deal damage to targets adjacent to the target area. So this is theoretically, how many squares is that? Uh, Three on top and then three on bottom is six. Then three in the middle is nine. Nine. <laughs> Yay. 
That's great. Welcome to the Dark Math Podcast. <laughs> Something uh, particularly unique about the HH-15 projectile launcher, Sam, it has penetration 10. Do you know what penetration 10 means? I, I, I can harbor a guess. Harbor, har- get, come on into harbor. It's nice and safe here. <laughs> Welcome to Guess Harbor. Um, is it is it ignore damage threshold? Ignores damage reduction. Fuck. Good guess, though. Thank you. You are hereby uh, tossed into the bilge over overboard into guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kicked out of the heavy weapons club. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, penetration 10 ignores 10 DR. There are not many weapons that have this. In fact, I'm not even sure of of I couldn't even name one outside of this one, but it's out there. I know it. The HH-15 is, I believe, the rocket launcher that rebel vanguards or I think they're called like rebel no, whatever they're called in Battlefront 2, the 2005 <laughs> release. I believe that's the rocket launcher they're using in that game. So, you know, are you taking notes? Rocket Troopers, I think. Rocket Troopers, probably Rocket Troopers. Yeah. yeah. I am taking notes. Scrupulous notes. Good, good. Wouldn't want you to be unscrupulous. It's large. It's 2,000 credits. It deals 66 damage. It's only 12 kilograms, so you might actually have a chance of carrying a secondary weapon with this one, which is good. It's also military availability, of course. Now, really quick. Yeah. The target lock. Yeah. Is that... Make it avoid cover? It's a good question. I'm shooting. I'm a rebel. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yes. I see an uh, Imperial officer sitting, dangling like a sitting duck. I, I hit him with the rocket launcher. Oh, no. He sees the rocket launcher coming at him. He dives into cover. Does it, does it like who framed Roger Rabbit style <laughs> navigate around <laughs> and get his ass or what? Or is it more like, or is it target lock in the... Proton torpedo sense, or if it misses, it makes a second attack. So this isn't the interesting thing. Mm. This is where I think we have a little bit of a, a wiki contrivance, but I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the original web enhancement. On that line where it says you can lock onto a target if you aim before making an attack, it links to the missiles and torpedoes vehicle combat page where it talks about being able to make that second attack yeah. for a come around. I'm not sure if that's what was intended. I'm not sure what else you would do. Well, you know what? Let's check the original web enhancement. How about that? We got time. I do like the implication that does the fucking target lock from torpedoes. That would be cool. A note on area attacks and cover, though. If you're in cover and a area attack misses you, you take no damage. Like if you had evasion or something. Yeah. Something you can keep in mind. Very important for... Like vehicle counter design, like when you really want to throw an ATST at your players, finally for a good like mid-level boss, you need to throw cover in there because it will tear them apart. Carry your evasion with you. Cover. Cover. So we looked up the original web enhancement, the full-blown PDF, peering into the past, you know, blew the dust off. PDFs, our our window to the past. (laughs) (laughs) And the segment for this weapon actually does reference the paragraph of the core rulebook talking about vehicle weapons and torpedoes aiming, having it be able to come around for a second attack. So it does appear that the intention of this weapon is for it to do that. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's the answer to your question. It, that's it, not you, bad. You can't aim at a target, lock on and get a second attack off if you manage to do so. I do like this concept as, you know, there's those builds that let you re-aim as a swift action after a first aim. Yeah. Just one guy, Rocket, 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 just around the room. For real. <laughs> the HH-15 projectile launcher is large, costs you 2,000 credits, 
Deals 66 damage, weighs you 12 kilograms. You actually might have a shot at having a secondary arm there. Military availability, of course. It must be reloaded each time after it's fired. Replacement missiles are 100 credits each and weigh 2 kilograms. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's way it's way more expensive than the, the six pack of eight of, for three hundred fifty credits. Head on down to Watto's, get a get your good deal on on missiles. Why is he sell missiles? Oh, you know, sells anything. Steven, I'm sick of rockets. I don't want no no big boom, no big boom. I'm that I'm not that kind of heavy weapons guy, Steven. You're not that kind of heavy weapons guy. You yeah. want something. I want something that's more a statement. More of more of a statement, more unique. I want to put this thing on the counter and then have people be like, whoa, 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 holy shit. Whoa, okay. put that back. All right. Pretty I hard with the Plex 2M, if we're being honest. If Probably I, break look, the table. Put, <laughs> yeah, you put the Plex 2M on the counter. The bartender looks at you like, what the fuck are you going to do with that? You're going to kill everyone in the room? <laughs> Yourself included, idiot? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you see when you're 30 squares away from me. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll see who's tough, buddy. No. <laughs> You can't, there's no tough guy <laughs> and like, you can't walk into a, into a tavern, like a cantina. A tavern? What the fuck is I'm that? I'm so sorry. So sorry. You can't walk into a cantina and put a rocket launcher on the counter because the bartender is going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Well, all right. We got a personal favorite of mine and actually a point of a little bit of controversy. Well, it's, it's just, the rules are a little vague surrounding its okay. range. We'll get into it. It's, it's interesting. Uh, you could definitely make a call for yourself. A weapon crafted by scientists from the planet Empress Teta, the carbonite rifle fires a short stream of liquid carbonite that solidifies on contact with a target. Any target moved down the condition track by this weapon is also immobilized until the end of its next turn. Now, immobilized means when a creature is immobilized, it cannot move by its own volition. An immobilized creature can take move actions, but it cannot move from its current space. You understand the distinction there. Very important. It cannot make skill checks associated with movement, such as acrobatics, climb, jump, or swim. An immobilized creature can still be moved by other effects, such as being the target of a bantha rush or force thrust. Force power. I was looking at this weapon earlier today and noticed the wiki comments actually bring up a nice little question. Oh, this is from the KOTOR campaign guide. Oh, yes. Sorry, forgot to mention. Thank you, Sam. KOTOR campaign guide. Absolutely. Anonymous user asked... Is the range of this weapon six squares or normal for heavy weapons? You may recall, Sam, little literalist in the comments provides insight here. From various sources, here we go, starting at the top. Unless otherwise noted, the stun setting on a blaster weapon has a maximum range of six squares, no range penalties. Ranged weapons set to stun have a maximum range of six squares, unless otherwise noted. Unlike other weapons set to stun, a stun pistol can attack targets up to 20 squares away instead of the usual range of six. Little Literalist continues, These are some things that the rules say on stun range. I don't think that anyone has issues with people throwing stun grenades more than six squares, so I don't think that weapons that are stun only can really be set to stun in point number two. I think that you can make a good argument either way. Traditionally, it's been accepted that the Carbonite Rifle uses heavy weapon ranges and isn't limited to six squares. At my own table, I limit it to six squares for balance reasons. I'm with Lil Literalist on this one. It could definitely go either way. The flavor text also implies a short range. So I'm inclined to go with six squares. It just sounds right. But really looking at those three points above, this is not a blaster weapon. This It's not set to stun. It just does stun damage. And sometimes stun weapons can do more than six. 
What do you think, Sam? That's, um, I'm definitely in the field of stun only weapons don't have to be the stun setting on a weapon being the limiting to the range as well. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where like in universe, let's think about it this way, a blast rifle, the stun setting, the stun setting one has to be, it's not the main focus of the weapon yeah. an add on and it isn't the intended use of the weapon. Yeah. So it makes sense. Maybe it's not a stun setting in, is in like, it, that's only how far it goes. It's more of a stun setting as in it's not effective at longer ranges. Definitely. Cause like, you don't see those fucking blue hoops just <laughs> shooting 30 feet. Yeah. I, I love them and all, but they're not going to hit a dude. That's, you know, they don't go fast enough or far enough to go that far. No. And with the carbonite rifle, it's specifically not a stun setting on a blaster. It's stun only. It's a stun only it's weapon. A, it's a right. Steven rifles in the name. <laughs> and I know that's going to be a point of contention there, but the fact that rifles in the name, it's, also, can you imagine how cool it'd be for a dude like on a hill to like blast someone with this thing? And they're like, oh shit, I'm covered in carbonite now. Like it can't move. I think that's great. It is cool. Rule of cool, Steven. You know, Sorry. I can't disagree with that. I was kind of, I was leaning towards team six squares, but, but now, now you kind of got me that, that scene of guy high up on a yeah, formation. Dude. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. It is stun setting, but I don't think it's, I don't think visually it looks the same as normal stun weapons in Star Wars. Definitely not. It's, it's definitely like compressed juice. cold beam of juice. Why limit it? Why limit the juice? Let Why the juice the flow. Juice? <laughs> I used the carbonite rifle on those super crazy droids that were like a late game enemy. Yeah. Echo droids. Echo droids. Yeah. They had the souls of Jedi infused in them with magic blood. It was, it was cool. And, and oddly similar to the dark troopers in the Mandalorian. Very much so. Very much so. And they had a one arm had a, had a mounted carbonite rifle. The other arm had a mounted fire cannon because prototype lightsaber and a prototype lightsaber. Those are really cool because that's that's just where I was in my storytelling at the time. Fucking sick as hell is what it was. <laughs> Thank you very much. They're large carbonite rifles. That is twelve hundred credits. Pretty good bargain here. Three D10 damage. Remember, it's stun damage. So you're going to have it. When it when an enemy actually takes it, so don't get too excited there. And only weighs six kilograms. It's licensed availability. It's not lethal. I guess I guess you got me. I don't know. It just kind of seems. I used to hunt womp rats. Nobody's business, you know. So it's the same availability as as a as a blaster pistol. Yeah, it's not lethal. Well, all right. That seems like I can buy a hunting rifle, you know, like I I think real life uh, licensing for weapons is totally different. You can't buy a dry ice cannon, though. You can't just go out and get something like that. Fair. It's just I I, I can see the uses for this in a non like a a farmer. I'm a farmer. This is what I got in the bag. Inspiration's hitting me. A pacifistic distant unknown regions society that exclusively yeah. uses weapons of this type or stun weapons or stun. Weapons. I like carbonate rifles. Car- carbonate rifles is cool though. Yeah. Maybe it's an ice planet with a cool ice castle and an ice queen. I don't Maybe know. they've got a, they have like a big carbonate mine. That they Ooh, can, yeah. Yeah. There you just go. The number one resource there. That's why all the weapons are like that. I do like the idea of like a farmer crapping rodents with a carbonate rifle, like trying to like oh, yeah. iron gophers. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, I got it, you know? Like, yeah, no, for real. And you don't want to kill it there because then it'll the scent will attract other, you know, you got to trap it and release it somewhere else. I didn't freeze and go for it like <laughs> point blank. 20 yards or whatever, walking over and just kicking <laughs> it into dust. Yeah, this baby can melt gophers to the ground at 20 yards. I do like the idea of just kicking something that's been frozen in carbon. I have shatters, turns to dust. Oh, that's so funny. Steven, we talked about weapons. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was spaced out there for a second. It's okay. 
Can we talk about what makes me a... Okay, I can buy a heavy weapon, right? That doesn't make me a heavy weapons guy. Like, there's a whole... You gotta shave your head, usually. Yeah, you gotta start eating sandwiches. Yeah, sandwiches. Yeah. You gotta be a, you can. You gotta be red or blue. Yeah. Like, those there's are your only of, options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you want to be heavy weapons guy, is the name of this segment. Well, I got a few answers for you. Some of them you already know about and are obvious. The others, hey, maybe you don't. There's not a whole lot of heavy weapons-specific character options in Saga Edition, because... There's a lot of weapons options that kind of already fold into that archetype quite nicely. But the first one that comes to mind when I think of heavy weapons guy is heavy header. This is one of my favorite feats just because it is so cool. So character defining been featured already. I think we talked a little bit about it when we featured your, your latest player character dev, right? Yes. So this option doesn't actually apply to heavy weapons like the weapons we listed above, but it's, Probably worth considering for any heavy weapons guy because it's just that good. And if your game master is generous, maybe they'll let you apply it to a, a heavy weapon, but maybe not because <laughs> you'll see why here. Prerequisite is weapon focus heavy weapons. The effect when making an attack roll using a weapon in placement, that's a galaxy at war thing. Those are unique. We can get into that just a little bit. Or weapon system, that's like vehicle weapons. You add an additional point of damage for every five points you roll above the target's reflex defense. If you exceed the target's damage threshold, then on its next turn, the target cannot attack and its speed is reduced by two squares, one square at starship scale. So, wow, right? Weapon emplacements are kind of part of that Galaxy at War battlefield toolkit. Uh, basically stationary vehicles, more or less. They're just big weapons. There's the AV-7 anti-vehicle cannon from the Clone Wars campaign guide. There's the DF-9 anti-infantry battery. That's one of the cool Hoth turrets. That's what I was going to say. You're thinking about the Hoth turrets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. V-150 planet defender. That's the ion cannon, funny enough. I didn't actually even know we had stat blocks for that thing. That's this crazy son of a bitch. I love what she does. (laughs) Very good. And there's also burst fire, which similar little addendum here. We didn't actually feature any auto fire weapons today, so this feat doesn't apply to the weapons we actually just talked about. But worth keeping in mind if you're pursuing heavy weapons guy. When using a ranged weapon in auto fire mode, you can fire a short burst at a single foe. You must be proficient with heavy weapons, and the effect is the following. When using a ranged weapon with auto fire capability and that you're proficient with in auto fire mode, Enough, enough dependent clauses there for you in this sentence. We have to be exact, Stephen, because if we don't, then it's game breaking. That's the point. You're right. You're right. You may fire a short burst as a single attack against a single target. You take a minus five penalty on your attack roll, but deal plus two dice of damage. The effects of this feat do not stack with the extra damage provided by Deadeye or Rapid Shot. If you do not have a strength of 13th or higher, increase the penalty on attacks to minus 10 when using this feat with non-vehicle weapons. And firing a burst expends five shots can only be done if the weapon has at least five shots remaining in the clip. Now hear me out. What's up? When it says when used with non-vehicle weapons. Yeah. The implication being you can use it with vehicle weapons. Yes, definitely. You can burst fire fire with vehicle weapons. Heavy hitter, both of those on a vehicle weapon. That is a strong X-Wing. Oh yeah, because you're just racking up dice of damage at that point. Yeah, you're just you're just blah 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 blah. And it's not hard to you know, it's not hard to hit. No, uh, it ain't. Even after all those penalties 
if you're at vehicle scale, that, that don't matter. Those reflex defenses for like a big target are only in the low to mid teens. So if you're high level, you're rolling, you're stacking, you're jamming. You're heavy weapons guy. You're heavy weapons guy. <laughs> if you're heavy weapons guy, you probably like to specialize in weapons. Guess what, Slimo? Weapons specialist talent tree is what. Could have fooled me. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was going to be the force sense talent tree. <laughs> Weapons specialist talent tree. That's a core rulebook talent tree, right? Definitely. Okay. Uh, but it does have talents from other books added. Oh, yes. Yes. As is the Saga Edition tradition. As is the way. Uh, there's Auto Fire Assault. Uh, this one's a, a go-to for heavy weapons guy. It's from uh, the Galaxy at War book. Uh, the prerequisite is weapon proficiency, heavy weapons. When making an auto fire attack, you can brace a weapon that is not restricted to auto fire only. You must be proficient with the weapon being used to activate this talent. We must discuss bracing very yes. briefly because it's very important and often forgotten. I forget it. That's for sure. Be, oh, you're telling me. So from the core rulebook, auto fire section under the auto fire only weapons header. If you're using an auto fire only weapon, that is, of course, a weapon that can only fire in auto fire. That is many of the heavy weapons. You may brace your weapon by taking two swift actions in the same round immediately before making your attack. When you brace an auto fire only weapon, you take only a minus two penalty on your attack roll when making an auto fire attack or using the burst fire feat. Only heavy weapons, rifles and pistols with an extended retractable stock can be braced. This talent allows you to brace any weapon that is not just restricted to auto fire only. Uh, think of bracing as your big beefy man's aim. Yeah. Aiming for strong guys. <laughs> Aiming for guys who don't do that much thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then a personal favorite of mine coming out straight from the core rulebook. You know him. You love him. Devastating attack. Choose a single exotic weapon or weapon group with which you're proficient. Whenever you make a successful attack against a target using such a weapon, treat your target's damage threshold as if it were five points lower when determining the result of your attack. If you select heavy weapons as the weapon group this talent applies to, you may also use the talent with vehicle weapon attacks. You may select this talent multiple times, yada yada, each time you do, it applies to a different exotic weapon or group. You're heavy weapons guy. Yeah. You're dealing damage, big racks. Oh, big, of course. Big numbers. Maybe you have a rifle that helps you get some of that shit down too. There's a lot of a feat investment in heavy weapons for not the best gains in damage, but you do get to be heavy weapons guy. And I yeah. think we all understand the intrinsic value of that. Yeah, the gains and damage aren't that big, but it's about like taking down damage threshold. That's pretty good. If you're going to be dealing out some pretty serious damage for heavy weapons guy, you need devastating attack because chances are out of the whole party, you're going to be coming closest to that those damage threshold numbers. And if you can be knocking fuckers down the condition track, well, hey. Knocking fuckers being the technical term. <laughs> let's just say... Your heavy weapons guy. Yeah. Heavy weapons guy can also be vehicle guy as well. Yeah, that's the cool thing about heavy weapons guys. He's quite well versed in blowing things up with big guns, which I mean, don't we all wish, right? The bigger the gun, the bigger the boom. Heavy weapons guy. Attributed to him. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's time for a break. We got we all this the spent shells around us, all these rockets. Yeah, we gotta get a guy in here to sweep up. Yeah, cause. there's just it's a mess in here. It's smoking. It's, I've caught him choking up lead ash. Yeah, I, they gotta sweep up because the cleaning droid can't 
consume the bullet shells. It just does not work. Yeah, just they get all stuck up in there. We didn't even do the bit. We didn't do the bit. Well, Sam, let me just let me just get these out of here. I, it, it was so hard to get all these weapons in, so I gotta like l- let me just lift this above your head here. Oh, 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 okay. Um, oh wow, whoa, yeah, oh jeez, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, those were really hard to get in. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Dark Times a Song Edition podcast. No, I mean yes. Yes, thank you, Stephen. This is a passion project put on by two friends recording out of a small room somewhere in the contiguous United States. I say it every week. I didn't think we'd get much further than the Chipotle napkin you wrote down the idea for the show on. (laughs) But the community has always been forthcoming with love, support, and constructive criticism. And without any of those, we would have no dark times. All it takes to make a dark time sandwich. Don't forget the bread. The bread. A nice rye. Probably be good. What's your favorite sandwich bread, Steve? Sourdough, actually. I'm, yeah, I was about to say sourdough's yeah. mine, too. Yeah. Sourdough rolls. Sourdough roll. Nice sourdough. Oh, and it, or a French roll. When a it's French like, roll. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like soft on the inside and like a nice, like crispy outside to it. And if you want to contribute to Stephen and I's sandwich uh, hobby and habit, then you can head to the Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is a volunteer effort. We, we're out here to provide a platform for our favorite role-playing game. Uh, we're, we're not here to become profiteers and get big off of this, even though we joke about it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, not even profiteer isn't the right word. We joke about the show being self-sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and even getting to that point was something I, I I thought was the stuff of dreams. So sincerely (laughs) to all of us out there who have supported us, uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If you don't want to go on the Patreon, that's fine. Times are tight. You can do any number of things to support the show. You can promote it to your players, your friends, you can mention it on Reddit. A lot of people love to bring it up when someone has a question. Maybe we have answered recently. Uh, just wonderful stuff all around. Tell your coworkers about it. Eh. We're a shareable podcast. It's true. It's maybe true. play them just this segment right here. Don't open. <laughs> uh, don't open with with hey, have you listened to the Dark Times podcast? They'll look at you sideways. But maybe if you know they like role playing games and like Star Wars, maybe hey, you heard maybe. the Star Wars podcast I'm listening to it's about these nerds. And- Boy, are they infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, what do the patrons get? The patrons get a, a, a nice little bundle of delights. Uh, first and foremost, they get to vote in our build showcases, or our bounties. They they can uh, put their voice forward and decide which one they like best. We don't do that. That's that's all on them. You also get a shirt or a sticker, or hopefully both, if you are... Patreon willing. Patreon willing. We've, we've, we're still struggling with that, but... Depending on the tier, after three months of your patronage, you will receive a sticker or a shirt featuring the Dark Times logo in the mail. We always love that we can provide that for you guys. And it's honestly been really cool seeing everyone get all their merch. It's it's bizarre that there's people so, so far away wearing and loving our stuff. It's it's fun. Can we have a this might not make it to the air, but that's okay, fine. Can we have a joke tier? Fifteen dollars a month sandwich tier. And every month we get a sandwich and we post it on the, on the, on the Patreon. I don't hate that. I don't hate it either. I don't hate that. That's funny. <laughs> just, it's just like, you know, extra 10 bucks a month. He goes towards a sandwich. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We'll send, do we, we post it on the Patreon or send them a, a DM with the picture email. We just goes to the Patreon feed. Yeah. The Patreon we feed. have to join okay. the sandwich tier to. Oh, to see it. Of course. That's how it, Patreon yeah. works. <laughs> just us with the sandwich. Be cute, cute way to do a face reveal. 
No, not no, no, no. I wasn't oh, even going just, that just far. Just the sandwich. Just the sandwich oh, wow. and a description of the ingredients, and we give it like a rating, a sandwich rating. <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. <laughs> I'm not opposed. Okay. I'm not saying no. There's also a few other goodies we have up on the Patreon. There's maps, guides, templates, little artsy things to improve your game with more coming down the line. Don't the Dark worry. Times module is well on its way. Oh, yes. Phase five of the, of the Dark Times cinematic universe is coming together. Oh, man. Yeah, look out for that soon. Um, my unemployment, hopefully, will be up soon, which means uh, the, the fire's under my ass. You have to send them back into done. the podcast mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get you guys back to the show. Uh, back to the show. We were talking about MOOCs and the value within and thereof and therefore. So someone sent in some MOOCs. Not just anyone. Not just anyone. It was Lloyd Krolik. sent in some MOOCs that are really cool and really creative. Why don't you run us through these? Let's, let's read his email. Cool. Hey, guys. I thought I'd share a trio of CL5 gunslingers I came up with. All are human, so to convert to a different species, the usual rules apply, page 278 of the core rulebook. Also, all three have weapon upgrades and tech specialist modified weapons. When the GM breaks out the mooks with the tech specialist upgrades. Give your mooks a little, it's a little sour, a little spiciness in that mook. <laughs> mooks can have little of upgrade. As a treat. <laughs> the first gunslinger is non-heroic seven gunslinger three, uses trigger work and rapid shot and hair trigger. Heavy blaster has a plus one accuracy and hair trigger. Also, plus one trusty sidearm from Gunslinger. Uses fool's luck where needed for an extra edge. Now, Steven, instead of reading out the whole email, I figured we'd do a breakdown as these show up. All right, break it down. Let's break down these synergies one at a time while they're still fresh in your mind, dear listener. Trigger work from the Gunslinger talent tree says, you take no penalty on your attack roll when using the rapid shot feat. Rapid shot feat is when you're using a ranged weapon with which you are proficient, you may fire two shots as a single attack against a single target. You take a minus two on your attack roll, but you deal plus one die of damage with a successful attack. And hair trigger, the KOTOR campaign guide weapon upgrade. A modification made only to pistols, rifles, heavy weapons, and exotic weapons ranged that use a trigger mechanism to fire. The hair trigger accessory makes it easier to fire several shots in quick succession by reducing the amount of pressure that must be placed in the trigger. Once per encounter, the wielder of a weapon with a hair trigger that uses the rapid shot feat to modify an attack roll may re-roll the damage from the attack keeping the better result. And last but not least, Fool's Luck from the Fortune Talent Tree. As a standard action, you can spend a force point to gain one of the following benefits for the rest of the encounter. Plus one competence bonus to attack rolls, plus five competence bonus on skill checks, or plus one competence bonus to all your defenses. If you use this talent to grant yourself a luck bonus to your defenses, this bonus also applies to the defenses of any vehicle you are on, even if you're not the pilot. What makes this a good mook? Focusing on one specific synergy. When you look at the stat block, you can understand what this mook will most likely do in combat, with Fool's Luck being included as something to help spice up this mook's strategy in combat as well. Hey, Steven. Yeah? Hey. What? 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 How would you telegraph a non-player combatant using a, a talent like Fool's Luck? Do you tell players that they're using Fool's Luck, or do you describe some sort of re-engaging tactically of the combatant? I think it's interesting. To, to do this stuff, because I always love to show off the game's mechanics, particularly yeah. in Saga Edition, because there's so much to to show off. But I like to save something like that from after the encounter, like when we're all shooting the shit like, oh, yeah, by the way, that was fool's luck. Oh, fool's luck. Wow. Yeah. But maybe in the encounter, 
I don't know. I might like have him give a pirate smile and pull out a lucky credit chip, oh, flick like it, that. and have yeah. it land, and like, ah, and then that's that's how he. I don't know. Something corny like that is always that's fun. Good. I like that. Yeah, I think in in Pathfinder Second Edition, you might be more uh, familiar with this than I am. Hmm. Isn't there a recognize spell? Like it's like an action or something like that. Yeah, there's a reaction to recognize a spell in in Pathfinder. I'm pretty sure. I wonder if something like that would be like, oh, yeah, anyone who's trained in. Any scoundrels roll, uh, make an intelligence check really quick or something like that. I don't know. Definitely. Something to keep the players engaged. Oh yeah, absolutely. The second gunslinger, this is back to Zillow's email. The second gunslinger is non-heroic six soldier one gunslinger two uses light battle armor, integrated equipment, two slots and weapon mount with a stun pistol. His heavy blaster has a plus one accuracy and double trigger along with plus one from trusty sidearm, careful shot, dead eye and debilitating shot. Let's talk about careful shot, Steven. If you uh-huh. aim before making a ranged attack, you gain a plus one bonus on your attack roll. Neat. Deadeye says, if you aim before making a ranged attack and the attack hits, increase the damage you deal by an additional weapon die. Uh, 3d6 will become going. 4d6 in this example. Debilitating shot from the Gunslinger Talent Tree says, if you aim before making a ranged attack, you move the target character with minus one step along the condition track if the attack deals damage. This talent can be used only against characters, not objects or vehicles. And last but not least, the double trigger weapon upgrade from Scum and Villainy. A weapon with a double trigger treats one trigger as a safety, with the second trigger being a hair trigger that fires when the slightest pressure is applied to it. Weapons of this type can be extremely accurate since only a small amount of pressure is needed to fire them, reducing the chance of moving the weapon slightly while pulling the trigger. But this takes time and training. If a character has the careful shot feat, they gain a plus two bonus on attack rolls if they aim with a weapon that has the double trigger weapon upgrade, rather than the normal plus one bonus from the provided feat. Okay, so we got ourselves an aimer here. This is Mr. Ames. Mr. Ames. I like the addition of the battle armor and the stun pistol as well. Yeah. While keeping the CL about the same adds something unique to the character. And also the idea of aiming with the armor, the armor making up for your lack of action economy because you're aiming. Yes. Last but certainly not least is the third gunslinger, non-heroic four, soldier three and gunslinger one. It uses a DT-12 heavy blaster with a plus one accuracy and a pulse charger. That makes it 46 plus nine for attacks with it at point blank range, along with devastating attack. The DT-12 heavy blaster, compared to the heavy blaster pistols used by the previous mooks, the DT-12 uses 46 damage dice instead of 3D8. These dice values have about the same average, but the pulse charger gives the DT-12 four additional damage per turn from having the extra dice. Isn't that nice, Steven? It is. The Pulse Charger, a scum and villainy weapon upgrade, can be applied to any blaster. It forces more power into the blast chamber, producing more powerful shots at the expense of lost accuracy. It causes a penalty of minus one to attack rolls, but gives another point of damage per damage die. I'm such a big fan of the DT-12. I'm not sure why. One of you has it in the party. It might be Kitch, or tw- our twitchy scoundrel. Yes, it is It is made for, um, in, in, I didn't include this in the section, but it is made for non-human hands. Yeah. And it is notably used by Rodians as well because they have the big old tube fingers. I love their big old fucking tube big fingers. Big tube fingers. Look like little veggie veggie fries. <laughs> veggie fries. <laughs> Devastating attack from the weapon specialist talent tree. Didn't we just talk about this? Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> can skip this familiar? one. <laughs> yeah, let's skip it. But if, for those who don't remember, treat your damage threshold as minus five points lower when determining the result of your attack. Improve quick draw from the Gunslinger Talent Tree. If you're carrying a pistol, either in your hand or in your holster, you may draw the pistol and make a single attack during a surprise round, even if you're surprised. If you're not surprised, you may take any single action of your choice as normal. 
I love that gunslingers get an exclusive quick draw talent. Yeah. It's so cool. Oh yeah. They get the full Western experience. Oh you know? yeah. Zoli continues. They all have good attacks, but are short on reflex defense and HP. Good for an encounter, but not overpowering. Plus you get some gunslinger effects without having them be too tough for a low level encounter. If you want to use them that way. Interesting mooks are always useful. Zoli Krolik. That's right, Zoli. Thank you, Zoli. Uh, great contribution. Uh, we, we believe in great mooks here. The mixed use of non-heroic class levels and prestige class levels, I think, is underutilized. Absolutely, I agree. And a, a fantastic way to show off some higher level play to your players without actually <laughs> killing them, <laughs> killing them or, or putting them in a serious harm's way. The, this trio make an excellent lawman. Um, yeah. An encounter. Or enforcers. Like a small town. enforcers. Or like a hut or something like that. Yeah. Double these guys up. Get six of them. Put a, a higher level bounty hunter in the middle of them. Or, a, like you said, or maybe a, a major domo. Major you know? domo. You know. <laughs> a... Uh, what? Sorry, I'm just thinking of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, Daimyo. A even Daimyo. <laughs> God. Remember when they had to remind Boba Fett, a bounty hunter and mercenary who worked for a hut, that he could hire mercenaries to work for him? <laughs> Remember when they had to have that explained to him? Listen, the Sarlacc does a lot of things to your mind and body, and I don't, you know, he's just a man trying to make his way in the galaxy, okay? Oh, that's right. How could I forget? Like his father before him. That, all right, okay. That additional, <laughs> I like that line though in Mandalorian season two when he says that shit. That was great. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. There was a lot of great moments in that show. In the Mandalorian. We didn't specify we're talking about the Mandalorian, not the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Amazing. But yes, Zoli has highlighted, maybe even unintentionally, the beauty of the non-heroic level, which usually gets cast by the wayside for pure heroic level uh, boss units. Oh, well, like I don't that. think Zloy does anything by accident. Yeah. <laughs> That's ominous, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> but you're right. Um, I like as a game master, as a game master who doesn't have unlimited time on my hands. I love non-heroic classes, too, because it's just less to prep for. Like, oh, God, like, yeah, let me pick my feats. For my mooks, like, no, I don't want to pick eight levels of feats for my mooks. I want yeah. to pick very few, and that's where the non-heroic class comes in. It's real nice. Well, thank you so much, Sloy, for the email and for the builds. Seriously. Those are going to be in the description down below. Keep it up, folks. We love having fans submit the content on here, and I feel like we've had a lot, like, late in the past like, oh, yeah. month. We've had I haven't had more. to scramble build a, <laughs> a stat block in a couple months, thankfully. Not that I don't like doing it. It's just sometimes it's hard to find something unique to... To show off. And if I uh, if I didn't know any better, I think we'd have some more some lovely fan content. The pipeline. Down the pipeline. Pipes. You know how it is with pipes. Shit's always coming down. Speaking of fan submitted content, it's time for everyone's favorite game. Name that NPC or I literally kill you. Uh, this is my favorite segment of the show, personally. Uh, I have a stat block here submitted this week by Little Literalist. Steven has three chances to ask a yes or no question and then Provide a guess for what he thinks the stat block might be. If he fails all three, he dies. And I will be looking for a new co-host in the coming weeks. Steven, are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. You like I, I for the we have like a, a, a note template that we use for uh, the planning out the it. episodes. And I use the tiny URL and it says Steven don't look. <laughs> Tinyurl.com slash Steven don't look if you want to see this, I guess. Alrighty. This is a, as courtesy of uh, Lil Literalist, by the way, DL6 stat block, affiliations, the Naboo Resistance, the Galactic Republic. No. Medium, Gungan. It's fucking Jar Jar Binks. 
No, no. That's right, Stephen. <laughs> it's Jar Jar Binks. Little Literalist said he might waste a guess on Captain Tarpaul's. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he did not. Captain Tarpaul would actually be a great choice for it this been, Well, I mean, it's your second guess. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, how many statted fucking Gungans are there? <laughs> this is the only official statted Gungan, by the way. Really? They didn't even do Captain Tarpaul justice? Let me triple check, but I'm pretty sure that's what Steve, that's what Little Literalist told me. Oh, then it must be true. When you said Gungan resistance and Galactic Republic, I was like, no, or Naboo resistance. A little literalist says, despite there being a Tarpal's legacy, this is the only official Gungan stat block in the game. Right. Right. I can only, why, why, I wonder why they held back on, on Gungan stat blocks. Can we talk about Jar Jar Binks stats, by the way? Sure, Non-heroic what, what six, scoundrel three, soldier one. Would you count any of those? I, it should have been non-heroic ten, personally. Well, he's bomb bad general. Yeah, he is a super bomb bad general. So, and a super bomb bad racer. Remember the Darth Maul from that? Oh man, the big bobblehead Darth yeah, Maul. Yeah, the big bobblehead. I love it. Oh, his, he has a special action. Uh, oh, he has the disruptive talent. No way. <laughs> By spending two swift actions, you can use your neck for causing trouble and instigating chaos to disrupt your enemies. Steven, you forgot the best part. What? Jar Jar has draw fire. <laughs> Jar Jar is a tank. Jar Jar is a tank build. Okay. That's great. Wow. That. Oh, my God. Okie day. <laughs> yeah. Okie day. Indeed. You know, Incredible. Uh, of course, he's trained in jump. Swim. He can also take 10. On swimming at any time. <laughs> Perception, survival. Surprised he's trained in survival, honestly. I'm a very big fan of... I, I do like the idea of draw fire being used because Jar Jar is just an idiot. Just not- that. <laughs> just that <fucking> <laughs> well, you want to hear some trivia? Yeah, do you have any trivia for us this week, Steven? I do, and it's like... I don't think this is true. This can't be canon, this- what you're saying. It's not even a, ma- a matter of canonicity. It's just, I, I think this is like a Canonicity. lie. Canonicity? Maybe. Oh, okay. Well, That's not a real word. <laughs> Samuel Jackson has said that the words bad motherfucker are engraved on the hilt of his lightsaber. The purple one, by the way. <laughs> the same words are famously printed on the wallet of Jackson's character, Jules Winfield, in Pulp Fiction 1994. Now, Stephen, you're—I can see your confusion here. You're misconstruing this as being a fact about Mace Windu. This is a fact about Samuel L. Jackson's actual lightsaber he owns. Of course, the real, work, the real working one that George Lucas let him keep, That's as long as he right. promised not to tell anyone about it. <laughs> I would personally love to see photo evidence of bad motherfucker engraved on oh, Mace no, Windu's lightsaber. I—I I don't think it's there. I don't think they'd ever release that. If part of me, part of me thinks that the. Episode three props were made of fucking green screen plastic. Like I can't even <laughs> like this. There probably wasn't even a lightsaber prop. <laughs> Windu's purple lightsaber was revealed in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, but still, that's even that's even more Attack of the Attack of the Clones being entirely filmed on CG stage. You know, another piece of trivia I read while finding this one. You get a bonus a bonus trivia this week just just for this. Hayden Christensen's favorite scene to film in Attack of the Clones was the bar scene because it was one of the few that was on an actual location and not a green screen. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, yeah, that'd be my favorite scene, too. The, the one I can fucking remember because there was actual set elements there. Oh, man. Have you seen you've definitely seen all the like the outtakes, like the non uh, yes. green screen versions? Yes. My favorite is probably the fucking weird droid factory like set armature they have like like covers like his hand and shit. It's, it's so weird, man. It's just a weird big moving 
like what are they called? Gymnastics horses? Like one of those things. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Fuck. some good trivia this week, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. I, I found a, a new source. I hope they fucking filmed Hayden Christensen's parts in uh, Kenobi on a fucking set then for his sake. That poor guy. All the suffering they've caused him. He, should, he, should, he could at least get that much. You know, he was here's some more trivia for you. I got why not a third one? This is just from my own personal memory bank. He begged George to put that suit on in, in Revenge of the Sith. Really? Yeah, they were going to have an actor and like it was really heavy and Hayden like could barely even stand being in it. But he begged George to wear. He's like, please let me be Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's Vader in the Kenobi show also, which is really cool. Yeah. I'm glad they let him put the suit back on. Couldn't uh, couldn't afford any fucking foundation for him, though, huh? In the flashback scenes, the scenes I know writing. Remember when they turned Obi-Wan Kenobi peaceful, reluctant warrior into a video video game character that threw 30 rocks at Vader's head? Oh, I meant uh, <laughs> I'm what you made me. Come on. The Dark Times is produced and edited by me. Sorry. No, that's wrong. The Dark Times, a saga edition podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Dark Times SWSE or email us Dark Times SWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Check out the Patreon in the description. Join. Get a sticker. Get a t-shirt. Send us a picture of those stickers and t-shirts, preferably on things. The last two pictures we've gotten were both. The last, like, five pictures we've gotten. All the pictures we've gotten of the t-shirts were, like, on a table. On a table, on a bed. (laughs) The same five. Like, I love it. I'm so happy you guys have it. But I'd love to see you in the shirt, your dog in the shirt. Maybe the shirt hanging up somewhere. Anything besides laying flat on your Your bed. Your body pillow in the shirt. Got half a dozen of those now. Body pillow in the shirt. Come on. My dark times. Oh, we should sell dockies. Dark dockies. times dockies. So bad. Awful. I got a quote. No, that's not how the show goes. <laughs> that's not how the show goes. Tell a friend about the show. We'll shout you both out on the show. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? There's a bright center to the universe. You're on the planet that's farthest from. Well, is that Anakin and That's Phantom Luke Menace? griping about Tatooine. That's Luke and the New Hope. Yeah, probably. <laughs> He's so whiny. I love the hero's journey. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, man. Good night, everybody. Good night. But yeah, they just couldn't afford an ounce of foundation to make uh, Hayden Christensen look like he's not 40. As much as I loved those scenes, um, yeah, the, the lack of makeup was a little jarring, uh, but it was it was just cool. I Especially for like a company that's toting like 4K streaming on for these shows that's and stuff, a, you, you know? know? You know, it's it's whenever I see little things like that, I think about like the, the billions of dollars, the like complete monopoly on like visual media and and others they have they're already editing in the lightsaber flare yeah like the lights the the saber itself is cg yeah yeah yes. touch up his face a little bit i it's, just it's, it's strange it's strange it might have been like a contractual thing too maybe maybe hayden didn't want any of that i don't know no i want to look as old as i am i want you to remember what you did to me <laughs> Fuck. it's fun it's just like it's such a minor thing that threw me out you yeah know? no it was very it was jarring definitely took me yeah. out of that scene a bit um Bummer, because, like, cool scene. Yeah. Like, the water. Yeah. Very sick. Very sick.
the like the shot of I think they're on Coruscant. Yeah, I just I love yeah. seeing Coruscant too, which honestly got me. Which I love Coruscant too. Holy shit, the New Republic! Here it is, Coruscant too. I love um I love Andor for that. Uh, for that oh reason. yeah, it's a lot of a lot of Coruscant. Yeah, pretty little concrete. Uh, it was still like Y two K as fuck too. That yeah. was the coolest thing about it. It still looked like I was a child watching the prequels. Which I mean, like that's what they're going for. But yeah, no, Andor, I was, Andor good. Andor I was thinking so about good. how I'm like, oh, there's no more Andor to watch. Like, that's right. I, <laughs> I like missing Andor, which I cannot say for every TV series that's come out of Star Wars. That's fair. Yeah. Mm. Clone Wars, like I said that about. For oh, sure. yeah. I miss Clone Wars all the time. Tales of the Jedi helped me. Yeah. Tales of the Jedi. I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, I need more of that. No, I am thinking I need more Andor. We got a uh, Andor. Yes, more Andor. Bad Batch. Yeah, that's coming soon. out next year, huh? Yeah. Ooh, Mandalore, that's Mando's March 1st. Mando season three, Mando yeah. Season three, March 1st. I wonder what that's going to be like. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Because it's like a whole, like, what's his, what? We don't even really know. I mean, he's. He well, might, his arc is being the Mandalore, I guess. We, we, that hasn't really been said, like, he's got in the, the show. It's, it's, but he's got the dark saber. The dark I mean, saber. Only, there's only one way. I love Giancarlo Esposito. I, I wish they could bring him back the dark more. saber. Yeah, I was kind of, I kind of wanted them to drag him out more because he was awesome. Yeah. Buff Gideon. He's definitely Ooh. a series finale villain rather than a season finale villain. Very you know? much so. Very much so. But if, but more guest stars, like more like great actors in Star Wars like that, I that's going to that. be cool. It would be. It would be great. I wonder if they could get, um, I was going to say they should get Skarsgård, but he just, <laughs> just had an excellent role in Andor. <laughs> Definitely that's subconscious. That's how good an actor he is. He didn't tell us him. <laughs> I, his all of his, all of his monologues are great. Yeah, because he has that one big one towards the end. Oh yeah. But then I realized I was re, I was watching it with my dad over Thanksgiving, and uh, he was like monologuing to Cassian like for most of his first appearance too. Like oh yeah. And there's like authorities closing in on them. And he's still <laughs> monologuing it. Yeah. And, and, well, the, like the, the things are, the ceiling are about to fall and shit, and he's yeah. like oh. And he's like, what is the rebellion? Like, <laughs> I love do it. I sit here in the dirt or do you want to fight? And it's like, did Warner Herzog's character die in the Mandalorian or no? Yeah. He did? Oh man. I, like off screen, I think. That would have been great. I, dude, when we got that first trailer and there was motherfucking Warner Herzog, Star, Star Wars. I'd like to see the baby. <laughs> he hates Star Wars. I he know. He just hates commercial. We've talked about movie making. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, it's, it's motherfucking Werner Herzog. But so um, I'm sure Dave Filoni like sat him on his lap and was like, hey, Werner. Buddy. No, here's the thing. I, I did a little digging. Maybe this was better for trivia, but it's worth talking about. I was wondering, how does a guy like Werner Herzog end up in the latest Disney Star Wars like series? Yeah. He just liked the script a lot. He read the script independently of anything else and was like, this is so cool. I want to do that. <laughs> That's rad, though. That's awesome. For real. It speaks to the strength of Mando's writing. It got motherfucking grumpy documentary German grandpa on board. But I mean, if you told me Dave Filoni, like talk to him and Dave Filoni's like expressiveness and passion for the project won him over, <laughs> which I guess technically it did through the script. Yeah. I would believe that as well. Like, you know, the, the quote about Herzog calling John Favreau a coward <laughs> for what you know, he, John Favreau was like, maybe we should go CGI for Grogu. Like maybe we shouldn't have a practical puppet for Grogu. <laughs> When Herzog reportedly spat on the ground and called John Favreau a coward for <laughs> even considering that. That is my son. <laughs> you will keep him. For real. Well, that's you all think I've let, got. I bet, first of all, one, I bet they had multiple baby Yodas. Certainly. And two, I bet they let Warner Herzog keep one. <laughs> there's um, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's only one that they use for close-up shots. That's yeah. like animatronic and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's remote controlled. 